At the age of 25, Laura Jones was like many other young women on the threshold of their life, on the threshold of their career. She had a very successful marketing job and DJed as a hobby. Laura's life changed dramatically, however, when she was diagnosed with Stargardt's, but she's never allowed her sight loss to stop her. Laura's now a full-time touring DJ and she joins me in the programme now. Laura, thank you very much for joining us today. Tell us a bit about your condition. I have an inherited juvenile form of macular degeneration called Stargardt's macular dystrophy. I was diagnosed eight years ago now, when I was 25, I'm 33 now, and it's uh, a slow progressive form of blindness. My best friend actually has Stargardt's and it is something that, that, you know, macular degeneration we know is, is you know, a fairly common uh, eye condition in terms of blind world, but Stargardt's is really quite rare. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know that with his Stargardt's, it, it affects him. His central vision is, is, you know, really quite knocked out and it's peripherally that he sees. So it must be very, very frustrating for you at times. Yeah, I mean, it's the body's an amazing thing. It's been quite a roller coaster eight years. I'm not going to lie. It's sort of your, your your central vision just slowly starts to break down, and then yes, yeah, so things like recognizing faces, reading, anything requiring your fine finer detailed sight. Because to the outward eye, I look like I get around, you know, quite fine. Really, it is that it, it's almost like looking through a mottled lens. Now, Laura, I know that I lost my sight when I was 19 years old due to diabetic retinopathy, and you know, you were only 25 when you were diagnosed with your condition. And obviously, at that time in your life, you know, you're in the threshold of your life, the threshold of your career. You're going places. You're out with your friends. This must have been a huge blow, considering the that you know you were DJing and partying and club. And, and just having a great time with everybody else. Did you feel quite isolated? Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I began to definitely. When when I was first diagnosed, it was a real shock to the system because my vision was almost 20-20 and I went for just a regular yearly eye test and they, they noticed the irregularity across the back of the eye referred me. I got asked to come back in six months for them. My parents and I actually chose to go privately just because we, you know, we suspected it could be something quite serious. And I was literally diagnosed two weeks later at Nuffield in Leeds on the day. And it, it was such a shock to the system because I would expect something wrong with my ears or something wrong with another sense before my eyes. And uh, yeah, so to be told I was I was going blind really out of the blue was 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 really really quite crazy. With time, it, you know, you start to get your head around it. It can feel quite isolating. You you can feel quite claustrophobic almost. But then at the same time, the body is an amazing thing, and I'm finding it adapting quite naturally. Really, things such as. Uh, I always use this as an example just because it's quite a basic one, but quite a natural one that's happened. When I fill a cup full of hot water, I'll naturally look off center and my peripheral vision will step in to sort of see when it gets to the top or even, you know, more so my, my hearing will listen to it sort of crescendoing as it, as it fills, fills the cup. So, you know, with the, like I say, the body's an amazing thing and it, and it does adapt quite naturally. And the main thing, I guess, is, is keeping headstrong and mentally strong and being uh, sure in that the fact that everything will be all right. Well, you know, the body is an amazing thing, as you say, and you are an amazing young woman. You really are because you really, I mean, you, you hit an all-time low, as did I. So I know, you know, mm-hmm. where you're coming from, 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 you know, that point of view. But you really just 
dusted yourself off and shook yourself off and decided, no, I'm going to get on with my life and continue with my DJing. How did you go about that? I mean, you know, obviously we know as, as you know, people who work for an organisation that, that deal with blindness and technology all the time, we know what we've got. But how did you go about finding the right technology to help you with DJing? Well, when I was diagnosed, I was actually working in a full-time five and I was pursuing the music on the side. It was a dream to be doing it as a career. And when I found out, I did sort of think, oh, maybe, you know, I went into a severe bout of depression. I was even with my sister at the time in, in Leeds to pay off some student debt. And I just really reconsidered that maybe, you know, I would never be able to be a touring DJ or, or do it for a full-time career. Um, so that all took a backseat, if I'm honest with you. And I actually got promoted in my marketing job and I was sort of putting more energy and effort into that for a while. And then with a bit of time, uh, a bit of mental strength and energy and, and a few things happening along the way, as um, seeing Stevie Wonder perform Glastonbury's 40th birthday, I sort of got back into it slowly but surely. My boyfriend moved back from Berlin where he was living at the time. We pulled all our resources, created a studio together and I just really spent every single hour of my free time when I wasn't doing my nine to five on, on sort of trying to teach myself to produce. There are some amazing things out there. We just very recently even had a company called Orcam come round to trial their new piece of technology, which is effectively a little camera box attached to an earpiece, which sits on the frames that you already have. And it takes an image of what you're looking at and it reads that back to you. So I've not been able to play vinyl for quite a while and I started off as a vinyl DJ before it all became digital. And that was, was really, for my boyfriend and I, we thought, oh wow, maybe you know that can be a way to start playing vinyl again. It's very early days of production and there are still some, some flaws with it, so it doesn't like sort of crazy fonts. It finds those quite challenging, and it doesn't like dark light environments, and obviously when I'm DJing, I'm in dark. Maybe further down the line, it will be something that I could use, and that, that would really probably save the day in that respect. I could, it probably would enable me to play vinyl once again. But for the moment, I'm just using technology that is backlit. I tend to have a light on the, on the mixer in the DJ booth, because obviously DJ booths are dark. Uh, weirdly, I can't really play to see, uh, see to play, I should say, in the daylight, just because it's all about the contrast, obviously, with Stargardt's Speculatory, getting the contrast right between light and dark and things being dark enough to, to actually see, ironically. Do you know something? You have been phenomenally successful uh, since you have started to lose your sight with your DJing. And I know I have it in good authority from my producer, who's a big fan of your music, Laura. <laughs> he, he really is. Uh, but I also have it in good authority that you're a very hot young lady as well. Uh, you're a lovely looking young girl. So, you know, how do people react to you in clubs when they find out you're blind? Because obviously you wear glasses. Uh, they're kind of wraparound glasses that help to protect your eyes. Do people just think you're phenomenally cool <laughs> oh I don't know about that but I, in, in the early days I think people very much thought they were for the look you know before they might have read an interview or two about about me being asked about the eyes um similarly to sort of Daft Punk with their helmets or I don't know on the odd occasion people would come up to me and ask me where they were from and I'd sort of joke I'd say the hospital you know shh don't tell anyone I've been told they suit me anyway now, tell us a bit about what you've been up to this summer because you've been a busy, busy lady. I know you set up your own label. 
Yeah, that was um, first release came out in May. That's been doing really well. The second release is actually going to be my own productions. After sort of taking a bit of time out, really, just to nurture my sound and just sort of, I got I got thrown into the the success thing quite quickly after one of my tracks did really well and got to the top of the Beatport charts. Uh, I guess you get to a point where you reflect and you sort of think about things, and as a result, I've taken a bit of time out. It's a vinyl label. I've been putting a lot of time into the art. I've really wanted it to be a collectible item, really. I think over the years and since the digital boom, we've really lost a lot of the identity with tangible music and everything's you know, streaming and you don't necessarily even need to own music anymore. And I really wanted it to be, uh, be something that people want to own. It looks great, hopefully sounds great. Then from a touring perspective, I've been in Ibiza, been in Croatia, I've been in and out of Europe. Um, most weekends. Actually got a couple of weekends off, which is nice. I'm just um, heads down in the studio. I have a remix that I'm a little bit late on delivering, actually. You've been very, very busy. And the label is, of course, called Sensoramic. Um, Just tell us how you came about uh, the name. The name is a combination of sense and panoramic. Sort of comes back to this idea of when you lose a sense, your other senses step in. So it's this idea of expansion of the sensory boundaries, really. Um, as I'm moving forward through life and realizing that I'm very blessed that my particular job and career path that I've chosen relies a lot more heavily on, on my ears. And I guess Sensoramic, is, uh, I wanted to keep it personal to me. I think moving forward, I, I want to have it more as a touring sort of concept where it's not just about the hearing or the, the seeing it's about other other sensory experiences as well well do you know something laura i'm in absolute awe of you and you know as you say you know yes you're lucky to be able to do the job you're doing because you love it so much i feel the same way and there's not many people that can say that they actually love doing the job that they do whether they're sighted or not so congratulations for for grabbing the bull with the horns and and just getting on with it and doing so phenomenally well and inspiring so many people around you if anybody wants to find out more about your music or yourself, what is the best way to do so? Um, the best way is just to probably Google my name. There's also SoundCloud out there. Obviously, if they want to buy the music, if they like it, it's on, on Beatport or it's on uh, vinyl websites such as juno.co.uk. Uh, there's, there's different streaming websites. YouTube's also a good trusty source. Well, Laura, thank you so very much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio. And uh, we hope to hear again from you soon. Thank you for having me.